The next two traits on the list of the Kinyane Torah are Anava, humility, and Simcha, happiness. What's interesting about both of these traits, somewhat similar to some of the other traits we've already studied, is that in general these are quite, I guess you could say, famous uh, ideas, traits, midos, that already in the Torah, as well as in Chazal, uh, are given tremendous importance and prominence in general. But I don't know that either of these would be necessarily something that we would have thought of as important and critical for mastering Torah study, for a Kinyan Torah. Simcha in particular, you know, it's important to be happy in life, and there's discussion of why it's important to be happy in our Avodah Hashem, generally, but why do you have to be happy in order to learn? What does that mean? Uh, even humility, perhaps it's a little bit more intuitive, but it's also not obvious. We would, you know, we can easily, uh, on our own, as well as uh, marshalling sources in Chazal, talk about the importance of anava, being humble and having humility as a generally good, good thing, an important idea. But why is that specifically necessary for Kinyan Torah? So I'd like to address uh, both of those uh, in today's shir. The Maral, uh, writing in his Der Chaim here in uh, Avos, in the sixth chapter, when he's commenting on our Brisa and the listing of Anava as one of the traits, he refers to Anava as Siba Rishona Latora. He makes a very strong statement. This is not just a trait, but in many ways it is a first among equals. It is Siba Rishona. Uh, for the Torah. It is the first cause. It is an absolutely necessary uh, trait. How so? So first, uh, let's note that there are a number of statements in Chazal that don't just generally extol the importance of humility, Avanava, but Brisa or similar, uh, contemporaneously uh, also highlight the importance of Anava specifically when it comes to Torah. So, for example, there are two well-known metaphors employed by Chazal uh, that seem to both make this point. The Gemara in Ervin and Daf Nundal Amar Aleph describes the importance, uh, the significance of the Torah being given in the desert, and a person has to make themselves kimidbar, like a desert, in order to get Torah. What's the characteristic that the Gemara here uh, describes the desert being known for? Zeshahakol Dashinba. That everyone, so to speak, tramples, uh, everyone has free reign in the desert. So there are different interpretations of what that means, but Rashi at least says, Ain lo gasus, that a person has no uh, humility, no pride. You let everyone quote-unquote walk over you in that sense. That seems to be what Rashi is describing. But again, it seems to be a connection between uh, Ain lo gasus, being humble, and getting Torah. Uh, perhaps even more well-known, the Gemara in Tainis, Sandav Zayin, Amar Aleph, compares Torah like wa- to water. It's not just the metaphor to the desert, but ironically enough, maybe the opposite you could say, it's also a metaphor for, uh, is compared to water. And the Gemara there says, Just like water always uh, goes to its lowest place, uh, that's the natural uh, design, that's the way water works, that's the teva of water. Um, so to Torah, like water, will always go to its lowest point, will find its lowest place. Torah will only be acquired, only be maintained, sustained by someone who is da'ato shvela, someone who is 
very, very humble. And in fact, the Rambam quotes this idea in general of the importance of humility for Torah study, and specifically uh, using the metaphor of water, the Rambam himself quotes this in Hilchas Talmud Torah in Paragimel Halachates. Uh, there are two other chazals to mention uh, that uh, make this basic point, but you know, from the opposite perspective. That is to say, they speak about how uh, gava or gasus, arrogance and pride, uh, are the opposite and, in fact, will prevent a person from either acquiring or sustaining their Torah study. So, for example, the Gemara in Kedushin, Andaf Memtes Amadbet, says that a simon, one of the indicators that someone is... Gas is arrogant, is anius. And the Gemara says, what does that mean? And the Gemara clarifies, we don't mean poverty, anius in financial terms necessarily, but anius in Torah. Um, if your person is gas, then that will uh, not allow them to remain an ashir, rich in their Torah, but either they'll never accomplish it or they'll lose their Torah, they'll be an ani in Torah. The Gemara in Psachim, Daf Samhvav Amadbet, uh, describes, so really uh, quite fascinating, describes uh, certain midos, uh, certain negative midos that a person might have and the tremendously uh, terrible consequences, destructive, self-destructive consequences of various negative midos. Among the things that are listed by the Gara there is kolhamisiyaher, anyone who becomes prideful, anyone who is arrogant. And the Gemara there, the Gemara says, and what happens to someone who is misyaher? Im chacham hu, chacham mistalekes mimenu. That if he's a chacham, he will lose his wisdom, even if it's only temporarily, but he'll lose his Torah. Actually, what's given there is from Moshe Rabbeinu, who, at least according to this interpretation of Chazal, uh, did get upset. Uh, we know famously discussed that the Meimara may have gotten angry. That is his sin, according to some sources. And then subsequently uh, is punished uh, and forgets his Torah at a later stage as well. The Gemara sees a connection between those two things. Interestingly, even though this uh, most this last source we quoted, the Gemara Psachim, uh, teaches us that broader lesson that arrogance, misyaher, is incompatible with Torah study, but the truth is that in general we have uh, sources that use Moshe Rabbeinu, the one who's described as Anav Mikol Adam, the most humble person ever, uh, and Moshe Rabbeinu, of course, is also Rabbeinu. He's the one who went up to Har Sinai and uh, received the Torah. He is the ultimate Tamar uh, Chacham, you could say, uh, to damn him with faint praise, to understate it, to put it mildly, uh, the ultimate Rabbeinu, the ultimate uh, Torah scholar, Torah teacher, and many Mepharshim in general, and specifically here on Arbraisa, uh, make that connection uh, specifically between Moshe's Anava and his success in Torah study, notwithstanding the one-off, if you will, the one exception, or unfortunately uh, he may have uh, gotten angry or uh, been, angry, been arrogant or something like that, even if it was only very briefly. The Maharal, for example, in Dar Chaim here, in the same piece that we uh, quoted at the outset, says that the idea of Anava being the prime cause of success in Torah, Kamo Shahaya Eitzel Moshe, just like it was true by Moshe. Shekal HaMalos Shahayu LaMoshe, Lohayu Siba LaTorasso, Rak HaAnava. Again, a startling statement consistent with the initial state we saw from the Maral. It says, of all of the many wonderful characteristics that Moshe possessed, but the only reason, or the main reason, Lohayu Siba LaTorasso, Rak HaAnava, says the Maral, that it's really only the humility uh, which allowed him to accomplish uh, his greatness in Torah, not the other talents and characteristics that Moshe may have had. Uh, in a somewhat similar vein, the Midrash Shmuel here 
uh, on our Brisa, uh, quotes the Pasuk in Malachi in Perik Gimel, uh, Pasuk Kafbet, which refers to Bichru Toras Moshe Avdi. The Torah itself is referred to as Torah's Moshe, Moshe's Torah. He's not just the one who received or conveyed the Torah, but in some meaningful sense, the Navi refers to it as Moshe's Torah. And the Medr Shmuel specifically says that the reason he achieved such a level is because he was, as we mentioned, a Nav Mikal Hadam. So while there are many sources that praise a Nav in general, but we see that perhaps surprising to some, there are also quite a few sources that highlight very much this connection, uh, just axiomatically, that it exists in general for all of us, and specifically was the secret to Moshe's success when it comes to the connection, the deep connection, apparently, between Nava and Torah scholarship between Kenya and Torah. But what we have not yet explained is why that should be. In what sense is my being humble uh, something that will help me and enable me to be a greater Torah scholar, to achieve a Kenyan Torah. So for this, there are actually uh, a number of very practical, pragmatic, and I think insightful and relevant uh, benefits that the various Mepharshim, uh, many of whom are writing here in our Brisa, in Avos, in the sixth chapter, and some will glean from uh, broader sources, but there are many sources that do not only make the assumption, make the connection between humility and Torah study and scholarship, but each with their own nuance explain very specific and practical benefits and give actual reasons, rational reasons, why a nova can lead to Torah scholarship. So for example, uh, to mention one, both the Medrash Shmuel and Rav Yaakov Emden in his commentary Lechem Shemaim here in Avos, point out that if a person is truly humble, then you are going to be willing to learn from every group of people, the whole population of people beneath you, that they have nothing to teach you, that you're much better than them. And yet, as Avos itself, the Mishnah says earlier in the beginning, first Mishnah of Parak Dalid, Ben Zoma Omer, Ezehu Chacham, Halomeid Mi, Kol Adam. To be a true Chacham, to be a truly wise and learned person, you have to be able and willing to learn Mikol Adam. So that's already, so to speak, on record in the fourth chapter of Pergeavos. So say the Midrash Shmuel and the Lechem Shemaim here in Arbraisa, that's why Anava is a key to Kenyan Torah, because only a person who is humble is willing to learn Mikol Adam. A person who is arrogant will dismiss anyone who he thinks is beneath him, and therefore true humility is necessary so that you learn not only from the brilliant teachers that you might have from great Rosh Yeshiva, Gedolei Hador, etc., but there's so many other people, contemporaries, perhaps even students, who you can learn from, but only if you're humble. So to be a truly great scholar, a person has to be humble so that you can learn from everyone. Uh, second uh, reason why humility is crucial for Torah scholarship is noted by the Machzor Vitri. The Machzor Vitri is a compilation of teachings from the students of Rashi. Um, and the Machzor Vitri actually in Simen Tuf Kuf Tet, chapter 429, section 429, is a commentary here on Avos in Paragvav. And the Machzor Vitri there in his commentary, Tar Brisa, says that the reason it's important to be humble is because otherwise, if you don't understand something, you'll be too embarrassed to ask. And to clarify, after all, if you have a self-image 
of a smarter, learned person, that even when you don't understand something, you'll be too afraid to puncture that image, and you won't ask for clarification, and you may be left unclear, and therefore won't advance in your learning. But as the Mishnah earlier in Perik, in, in Perik Avos, Perik Bet, Mishnah Dalet says, Lo habayshan lamed, a person who is embarrassed will not be able to learn. Embarrassed, meaning that you're too embarrassed to admit you don't understand. So the Malchus Vitri connects our Brisa with that earlier Mishnah and says, if you're arrogant, then you'll be a Baishan, you'll be embarrassed to admit you don't understand. But if you're humble, if you have Anava, so then you won't be embarrassed, you'll admit when you don't understand, and therefore you'll either understand a certain percentage of Torah, that's great, you'll advance that way, and the, whatever percentage is that you don't understand, but since you're an Anav, you'll be willing to ask and get clarification, and then you will doubly advance advance in your learnings. A third interpretation is, or explanation is also suggested by Rav Yaakov Emden here, and he points out that only an Anav uh, is willing to admit mistakes. Yoda, v'lo yevosh lomar dvarm shamarti, Whether that means a teacher admitting mistakes to a student, or even just a scholar uh, on his own, first assuming that he understood a certain Torah that way, a certain Parsha, a certain Sugya in one way, if you're arrogant, even if you're confronted with evidence that you made a mistake and you misinterpreted the sugya, you won't be able to bring yourself to admit it. But only an anav can admit mistakes. And you know, the Lecham Shemaim seems to be assuming, reasonably, that everyone makes mistakes. But only a humble person is willing to admit his or her mistakes. And to have a true Kenyan Torah, you have to be able to admit mistakes so that you can learn from them. But you can't learn from the mistakes if you can't admit them, and if you're arrogant, you won't admit them. So in that subtle way, Anava plays a crucial role in your growth generally, and specifically your growth in Torah. Reb Chaim Velazhiner, in his commentary here, Ruach Chaim, suggests yet another, a fourth uh, reason why Anava can help a person learn. And he quotes the Gemara in Ervin, Adaf Yud Gimel Amad Aleph, that describes why it is that in the famous Machloksim between Beishamah and Beis Hillel, that our tradition as we follow the Halacha is like Beis Hillel. Even though the Gemara itself says that Beishamah were actually smarter, they were sharper. But the Gemara explains that Beis Hillel had a number of other characteristics which set it apart. And one of them, the Gemara describes as Nochin Va'aluvin, which Rav Chaim understands in continuation with what's going on there in that Gemara, that they were not only humble, but it was that their humility allowed them to see the other side in an argument. And the Gemara itself continues and makes that point that whenever Beis Hill would study, they would first, not only would they study Beis opinions, they would study Beis opinions first and initially so that uh, they would understand them and then they would argue with them. And the Gemara says this is one of the characteristics that made Beis Hillel worthy of having halacha paskind uh, on their own. So, number one, the Ruchayim points out, above and beyond the actual statement of the Gemara, that that idea of uh, Beis Hillel being willing to study Beis Shammai's opinions and even study them initially is not just a question of derech eretz, of being polite, but there's a certain element of humility in that. What I think the Ruch Haim is also getting at is an idea that I heard many, many years ago from my Rebbe, Rabbi Rosenzweig. I don't believe he quoted this Ruch Haim, but he did mention the Gemara in Erevin, that when we say the Allah is like Beis Hillel because they saw the other side, they were nochen va'aluven, they were nicer people, they quoted Beis Shammai, it's not just like we give them you know, a prize, you, know, you win the Midos prize, right? Because the truth is, if it was just rewarding Beis Hillel for good behavior, 
that necessarily mean that we should paskin halacha based on them. If Beishamai was really correct, so okay, so based, uh, Hillel had better midos. So we, sh- we should ostensibly paskin like Beishamai. They were maybe more correct, they were smarter. But then at the end of the year, we're going to give the midos prize to Beis Hillel. That's what we would have thought. It doesn't make sense to just paskin like Beis Hillel just because they're nicer, they had better midos, they're more polite. So I think what the Ruachai must be getting at, and this is what Rav Rosenzweig uh, so beautifully explained all those years ago uh, in Shir once, that what it really means is that if you're humble, if you have those good midos, here specifically we're talking about it as a form of humility, so that helps you see the other side. And because your willingness to see the other side, that itself makes your position that much stronger. If in a debate, if you never even th- bother thinking about or really you know, struggling with your opponent's position, the other position, then you may completely overlook a very good points that they're making and be totally vulnerable uh, and easily, uh, so to speak, defeated. But someone who's humble enough to seriously consider the other opinion, the other side, still analyze that, grapple with that. If Bechozos, if even after that, they're convinced that they're correct, it just it's more likely that they have a stronger opinion because they've grappled with both sides and they've been able to weigh both sides against each other. And then that humility will actually help their opinion be stronger in the long run and emerge as the more compelling uh, piece. Not only because they had better Midos and therefore we just want to reward good Midos. Not that. I mean, that's true, but that's not what we're saying. We're saying is that it'll actually make you more likely to be correct in the case of Beis Hillel, or in all of our cases, what the Bryce is saying, what Rav Chaim Velazhner is saying, is that will help you have a Kinyan Torah. The more you're humble and are willing to consider other opinions and other approaches to the sugya, not just your own or your first instinct, in the long run, that will help you have better, more grounded, more compelling ideas. A fifth idea, uh, quoted in a, a, a more contemporary safer here on the Parak Kinyan Torah, uh, is suggested by Rav Matisio Solomon, uh, the famous Mashkiach in the Lakewood Yeshiva. And he suggests specifically for a Talmidim that one of the aspects of Anava that the Brisa might be referring to is the humility uh, to accept when you don't understand and therefore just trust your Rebbe's interpretation. If the Rebbe, if the Rosh Yeshiva, if the Magid Shir gives a great and obviously compelling interpretation of a Gemara, of a Sugya, of a Parsha, so then, of course, you accept it because it makes sense to you. You might not have understood it beforehand, but now you hear what the Rebbe is saying. But there are other times where we simply don't understand, we don't see uh, what the Rebbe is getting at. We may not necessarily be convinced. But Matisyao suggests that humility allows a person to trust uh, the Rebbe and give him the benefit of the doubt and work hard to understand. Uh, in a dr- more general sense, I-, I have long made that point that even when it comes to the Amoraim and Tanaim, just learning Gemara or even Rishonim, let alone our own actual Rebbeim, um, we have to have a certain assumption and humility that these are great people who knew more than us. And therefore, if whether it's the Rambam or Ravina or Ravashi or our actual Rebbe nowadays, if something they said doesn't initially make sense to us, if we're arrogant, we're very likely to quickly dismiss that interpretation. After all, uh, based on my own powers of analysis and cognition, it doesn't make sense. But if we are humble, we might not necessarily reject something right away. We might say, well, it doesn't make sense to me yet. But then we go over it again a second, a third, or fourth time, working at it to try to understand it. And very often we'll eventually uh, get to the understanding that we 
really had, and in fact, we will realize the truth of the statement. But we only are motivated to go through that process if we start off with a certain level of humility. If we're arrogant, then the second a Sefer, a Rishon, or our Rebbe says something we don't understand, we will immediately uh, reject it. Uh, last but not least, a sixth idea uh, is actually found in Rashi, um, in Kiddushin, Andaf Memtes, who suggests something very interesting, that if a person is arrogant, that, does, that leads to not working hard and not reviewing enough. But only with humility, the opposite would be true, that you'll work hard and you'll review. In other words, the more arrogant you are, and sometimes people have reasons to be arrogant, sometimes people are quite gifted, they might be quite smart, but the result of that in the long run is that people who are arrogant usually uh, don't work as hard and certainly don't review the material if they think they're just blessed with a great memory or that they understand things easily. And in the long run, uh, the lack of review, the lack of chazara, the lack of hard work, the lack of amelos will catch up to them and will compromise their ability to truly have a Kenyan Torah. But if we are humble and realize, you know what, we may not be the smartest person, we may not have the best memory, therefore we need to work hard and we need to review our learning, then in the long run that will serve us better than someone who may actually even be uh, smarter or have a better memory than us, but as a result doesn't work hard and doesn't review. So to review, uh, we just quickly ran through, I think, six different ideas, all of which I think are true in their own right and compelling, and the combination is really uh, quite compelling and I think uh, overwhelming in the best sense of the word. Six different interpretations for why Chazal in general, and specifically here in our Brisa, link Anova humility to mastery in Torah to a Kenyan Torah because it's not just that being humble is a good midah and derech eretz and menshlechkeit in a general sense, which it is, but there are very specific reasons, we mentioned six of them, that a person will be better and master their learning more likely and maintain their and retain their learning if they're humble. Number one, you'll learn from every person. You won't think you're above anyone. You won't be embarrassed to ask if you don't understand. Similarly, you'll admit mistakes. Uh, also, you'll have the humility to see the other side and grapple with other interpretations of the sugya or other approaches uh, to learning, and that will make your own approach ultimately stronger and more compelling. You'll trust the safer or the Rebbe, even if you don't initially understand, and you'll work harder and you'll review. All things which are necessary, I think, in an obvious way, to being a true Torah scholar. And as we've seen, none of them will happen if a person doesn't possess a strong degree of humility. Okay. Now, briefly, I'd like to just turn our attention to a second characteristic, uh, the second uh, Mida, second Kenyan that's mentioned here on the list uh, for today's shir, and that is Simcha. The next one on our list is Simcha. It's important to have a Simcha in your learning in order to have a Kenyan Torah. So we are already familiar both from the Torah and from Tanakh about the general importance of Simcha in Avodah Hashem, uh, very famously in Devarim and Parak in the second Tochacha, we are told, that uh, one of the reasons why the uh, Tochacha, the terrible curses and punishments, might come upon the Jewish people is they didn't worship Hashem with Simcha. In and of itself, this is kind of a shocking statement, but this is not our topic now to explain the Tochacha. But suffice to say, for our purposes, a dramatic statement by the Torah itself on the importance of Simcha and Avodah Hashem. And then, of course, we have uh, in Tehillim, in Parak. So it's clear that in general, a person has to have simcha and that that's a critical part of their uh, avodas Hashem. 
Why that's true in general uh, is worthy of its own sheer, uh, but in our brief remaining time, I want to zero in on uh, what is our agenda, which is not just understanding the importance or the role of Simcha generally for life or Avodah Hashem, but specifically when it comes to Torah. So Rashi here, as well as Rav Yaakov Emden and Lechem Shemaim, uh, quote uh, Gemara in Shabbos, Andaf Lamed uh, Amud Bet, which tells us in general, but they apply it to Torah, that, that without Simcha, Ein Shechina Shora, Lo Mitoch Atzvos, Ela Mitoch Dvar Simcha Shal Mitzvah. That in order for the Shechina to uh, be present in a person's life, in, within a person in a sense, uh, the only way a Shechina will attach itself to you is if you are worshipping Hashem uh, and doing your mitzvos with simcha. So even though that statement is a more general one, a Torah Shemal Peh corollary to the two psukim we started with from Devarim and Tehillim, but both Rashi and the Lechem Shemaim here of Yaakov Emden connect that specifically. If that's true in general, simcha shel mitzvah, well maybe it's true about other things, but it's clearly true also about Torah, that statement just axiomatically, again, this doesn't explain why, but axiomatically, you see from this Gemara, like we see generally from those Psukim, that you can't do any mitzvah, and certainly not uh, something like Talmud Torah, unless it's coming mitoch simcha. The Maharal, in trying to explain the mechanics of this, why this should be so, uh, gives a somewhat uh, kind of esoteric, even you could say Maharalian interpretation. He says, because Torah is the ultimate perfection. Torah is shalem. Therefore, he says, a person can only learn Torah when you are shalem. If you are bishlemos, he says. Again, that's not self-evident, I, I would say. Um, I'm not saying it's wrong or even illogical. I just don't think it's self-evident. The fact that the Torah is shalem, one might have argued that even though I'm not yet shalem, but I can learn Torah anyway, uh, and I'm not saying that the Maral thinks you can't learn Torah, but he seems to be getting at that if you want to have a true Kenyan Torah, kind of parallel to the Shechina Ishora in you, that's a high level, so that you can't do unless you are Shalem. Again, there's kind of this metaphysical uh, correspondence that has, has to occur, that the Torah of Shalem, it's kind of like fitting you know, a puzzle piece in, or fitting something into a box. If it is Shalem, then the box holding it has to be Shalem in order to contain it. And says the Maral, the only way that we as human beings, the only way a person can be Shalem, is if he is besimcha, that without simcha, a person is, so to speak, off his or her game. You're not shalem unless you're besimcha. Without being simcha and without being shalem, you cannot be a repository, you can't be a kli that will be able to be kona and hold Torah, because Torah is, by definition, uh, shalem. So that's a somewhat metaphysical, you could say, or certainly esoteric interpretation. Um, a little bit more down-to-earth, however, um, more prosaically, uh, the Medrash Shmuel uh, makes a point which is unbelievably insightful, and even though he says this a few hundred years ago, he could easily be, easily be diagnosing uh, some of the challenges that many of our younger Talmidim and even some adults uh, have. It says the Medrash Shmuel, Im alav uh, If a person is not really enjoying their learning, if it's not a simcha experience, it's not happy for them, and it's just a burden that they're doing because they have to, sof sof yifrosh min halimud. In the end, a person will abandon Torah study. 
you know, this is kind of a, uh, say, he's a, it was ahead of his time by a few hundred years, but this is uh, the Meder Shmuel basically diagnosing uh, what uh, many uh, parents and contemporary educators have in only recent years uh, become to realize so clearly that if we don't figure out ways to give our students a tremendous amount of simcha, then even if, even if they learn when they're in our yeshivas in, under our thumb, so to speak, even if that happens, sometimes it doesn't even happen then, but even if that happens, sof sof yifrosh min alimud. Eventually they will abandon it because no one wants to keep doing something that they don't enjoy. And the Medrash Shmuel uh, concludes with very, very uh, beautiful and striking formulation. HaTorah v'asimcha achim heim. That Torah and Simcha are, so to speak, brothers. You simply are not going to have one without the other. Chazal, in a somewhat similar vein, without perhaps less extreme uh, than abandoning Torah, but Chazal also point out that Simcha gives you a greater degree of motivation to learn better and more enthusiastically. So if you're not enjoying your learning, you know you won't learn well. Maybe you'll abandon it, or even if you don't abandon it, but you won't really learn on a high level, as high as you can. Libo chafetz. Uh, perhaps is similar to the idea of simcha. If you're not enjoying your learning, then you're not likely to do it at a high level, even if you maintain doing it. Uh, and in a very beautiful and insightful, powerful statement, the Medrash in Vayikra Rabbah, Parsha Kafbet, says that just like in Koheles, we are told that Ohev Kesef, Lo Yizba Kesef, a person who loves money is never satisfied, always wants more and more and more, says the Medrash, Ohev Torah, Lo Yizba Torah. So, not the Medr Shmuel's uh, kind of negative motivation. Without Simcha, you won't learn, you'll abandon learning. But here in the opposite, the more you love learning, the more you're Ohev Torah, Lo Yizba Torah, you'll never be satisfied. You'll have more and more motivation to learn more and more and more. Uh, additionally, uh, it's not just learning more or being motivated to not stop learning, but some of Farshim suggests that you can actually learn not only more or more enthusiastically, but actually learn better when you're Basimcha. Uh, Reb Chaim Velozhner and the Ruach Chaim uh, says a happy person can learn in one hour what otherwise would take a person many hours. So it's not just that you're motivated to learn, but just the whole, uh, your whole approach to learning will be uh, in such a more intense and sharp way because you just love it. You'll be gobbling it up as opposed to a slow slog of getting through things even, though, even if you never give up. We're not, the Ruchayim is not describing what we saw initially, that if you're unhappy you'll abandon the learning. He's implying that you might stay with it, but it'll just be a slow burdensome slog eventually getting through things. Whereas if you love it, if you're happy in your learning, then you'll be able to just jump in with such enthusiasm that you'll actually accomplish things much quicker and be able to learn much more. Rav Yaakov Emden in the Lechem Shemayim, uh, in this sense, doesn't just talk about you know, how fast you can learn, but he describes you know, when you're happy, you'll have a broader mind. There'll be a certain harchavas hadas. You'll be sharper even, he says, uh, when you're happy and in a good mood. And I think that you know, our own experience, uh, or even seeing other people, or even our own personal experience, I think, attests to the insight of these Mepharshim. Additionally, uh, some Mepharshim note, some commentaries note, that not only will you learn better and faster and sharper, but you'll also more likely to remember learning that you did if you did it besimcha. The Medr Shmuel says you'll have better retention because it was uh, besimcha. 
And similarly, the Tiferes Yisrael says, Sha'idei she'yomad b'simcha yit pesu hadvarim heitev belibo. They'll truly, you know, so to speak, be acquired and maintained in your heart. And you will hamachaze koach hasechel v'hazikaron. Uh, not only will your, will your seichel, will you be sharper, as we already saw, but your zikaron, he specifically mentions your memory, will also be better since you learned it besimcha. This idea that uh, you'll you know, have, the Torah will be more one with you and therefore it'll stay with you and you'll remember it better if you learn besimcha is also uh, suggested by the Eglay Tal in his very famous Hagadama. Uh, the Eglay Tal was a Sakar Chavarebi and he wrote a very famous work of Halacha and Lamdus on the, the laws of Shabbos called Eglay Tal. And in his introduction, he speaks about the simcha of learning. And he says there, among other things, that if, really one of his more striking formulations, he says, if you learn Torah besimcha, az divrei Torah nivlotin bedamo. It will become absorbed in your blood. Um, you will, again, that's a kind of graphic way of making the point that we've just seen, that the more you learn besimcha, the more it will be one with you, nitpas uh, belibo, and it will be mechazek, your koach of seichel, and zikaron. It will become truly uh, part of you, and you will remember it. In the broader thesis of the Eglay Tal and his very famous introduction, he points out that Iker mitzvahs limud ha-Torah lios sos v'sameach umis'aneg belimudo. Perhaps that's a fitting a postscript to everything we've just seen. That the reason you have all these practical benefits of learning with uh, simcha uh, as a result, perhaps you can say, either the cause or the result, I'm not sure, but either way, kind of uh, cherry on top, is that, says the Egletal, it's not just that this is a benefit of learning, or as he puts it there, permissible, you're allowed, quote-unquote, to enjoy learning, even the opposite, or certainly much more than that. It's Iker, mitzvahs limut Torah. The main, the highest form of learning is to enjoy the experience and enjoy the Torah as it, you become one with it. Um, that is the highest level, and that's why it will lead to better memory, retention, learning better, learning faster with more motivation, and wanting to learn uh, for a lifetime and not abandoning it uh, because you didn't enjoy it. So I think uh, we have seen with a lot of these very beautiful interpretations, both in Mefarshim on Avos, as well as broader statements in Chazal and other sources, that these two ideas of humility and happiness, Anova and Simcha, are not only generally important midos for a good life, a happy life, and being uh, the type of people that we want to be, that the Torah wants us to be, but now we understand in very down-to-earth, reasonable, understandable, even rational reasons, why these are both key ingredients to achieving mastery and success and a Kenyan Torah.